Welcome back to the Racial Draft Podcast. I am your host, Michael Ford, joined by not my regular co-host, but still a tremendous partner in podcasting from the Latinx delegation, Carlos. Carlos, say what's up to the people. Hey, what's up, everybody? And uh, we are going to do what we do every week, and that is change the complexion of the comic book universe one draft pick at a time. If this is your first episode, I apologize, but we're going to try to bring it on home with some entertainment and some humor and maybe a little bit of education here and there. I don't know. It's up to you. But we have to dive right into the throes of our racial draft business. It is the first week of our competition phase, courtesy of our friends at the Fantasy Comics League uh, and the competition the results may surprise you. Um, those of us who have been waiting through 12 weeks of, of uh, auction or bidding style uh, drafting have seen the different dollar values and the, the, the money gets spent, uh, you know, people as certain delegations made it rain. And now we are here at the culmination of the first week where people, you know, they put their money where their mouths are, and now these characters are either going to pay off or look like bad value. And uh, I mean, we may as well do the way we normally do, and that's bottom to top, starting at the bottom. And this week, bringing up the rear is the Polynesian delegation, who's uh, only put two scoring characters on the board that being Firestorm and Namor, for a grand total, for a grand total of four points. Rough go, rough go for the Polynesian delegation. Slow and steady can win this race. Maybe, maybe. Uh, next up, uh, in second to last place, the white delegation. Wow! I know. Led by. Uh, a man of bats, uh, aka Bruce Wayne, who put up 15 of their 23 points. Wow. So he's still the franchise. He's still the franchise. But 15 points for Batman and a bunch of twos. Uh, twos for Kate Pride, twos for Man Bat, two for Mr. Sinister, two for Nightcrawler. So 23 total points by the white delegation. Next up, with 26 points, is the South Asian delegation. Okay. And uh, they led, leading the way for the South Asian delegation, and their 26 points was Black Cat. Yeah. Put up eight points. And uh, with five points each, Aquaman, Nighthawk, and Professor X, with three points for Supergirl. So that's mm. where that's where the 26 points came in for the South Asian delegation. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully big, big, bigger things are, are, are coming for them. But for now. Oh, they've got Bruce Banner, they've got Kamala Khan, they're gonna be fine. The the 96 page Immortal Hulk finale is like <laughs> next week or the week after, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. Yeah. But uh, now we have a tie for the the next two the next two delegations. 
35 points each. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say oppression Olympics, but the black delegation and the native American delegation have, uh, have each put up 35, uh, led by, I'll say the black delegation, their top scorer with 26 points, Superman, Clark Kent. I'm familiar. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, eight points for Dr. Doom and one point for Domino. Domino. Uh, <laughs> uh, zero, zero points for Shang-Chi, for Shang-Chi. Wow. Yeah, zero points. After strong infinity comic weeks. I know it just went, it ended right, right on. Right on time. Right before our scoring period. Same with me and Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. They ended right like last week. But you can't complain about whose comic you did get. It's true. So, true. unexpectedly yeah but but 35 points for the native american delegation led by storm and her 16 yes. points uh next up uh anti-venom okay lash thompson with an, with 10 points uh six points for red hood two points for human torch and one point for robbie reyes for that grand total of 35 points I think that's more than they scored last season. Mm, that shade. I believe <laughs> Carnage had that one week that he put up 20, 36 points. Oh, that's points. right, Thank Carnage. You. Damn you, Carnage. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you're close. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to the upper tier. The upper tier. The top four. Okay. 47 points. The multiracial delegation mm. led by Wolverine. Which one? Ever heard of him? <laughs> okay, Logan, Logan. Okay. <laughs> they have you you have to differentiate. They've got that both. Is, that is fair. That is fair. Uh unfortunately, uh the Laura Wolverine uh put up zero points. No X-Men book this week. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Um no, there was a there was a I think there was an Infinity X Men book, which is AKA a Wolverine book. It's true, and Inferno, right, number one. But Laura nowhere to be found there. But yeah, fourteen points for Wolverine, twelve points for Damian Wayne, ten points for Black Canary. Shout out nice. to the uh, Deathstroke's book, um, and five points for Emma Frost, three points for Cyclops, three points for the Flash. All right. So solid 47 points for the multiracial delegation. You know, there's they're there, but there's they are bringing up the rear to one of the sleeper picks, the Jewish delegation. Strong coming coming to play with 50 points this week, led by Tony Stark. Ever heard of him? <laughs> the one that got away. Yeah, tell me about it. Uh, 15 <laughs> points for Tony Stark, 12 points for Superboy, seven points for Janet Van Dyne, who was traded. Um, <laughs> six points for Blade. Wasp scored seven. Uh, six points for Blade, three points for Harley Quinn, two points for Magic, two points for Mr. Fantastic, two points for Mystique, one point for Captain Marvel. How many scores is that? That was nine. Well, I mean, top nine. Yeah, right. They, they had 10 scorers, but only wow. the top nine score according to our system. So 50 points. 
that is that's some solid that is some solid uh even even delegation it's, it's good it's good uh, you we know, see you team chutzpah exactly but that brings us to the final two and uh i think you know what delegation hasn't been named yet but we're naming it now yeah. the latinx delegation with 69 points. Nice. <laughs> right on time. <laughs> 69 points led by Miles Morales. Nice. 14 points tied with Wonder Woman, also 14 points. Okay. All also, right. the recently deceased, but not Dr. Strange with 13 points. Interesting developments there. Yes. So that's your top three, but you still had Deadpool with seven points, Elena Belova with seven points, Thor with six points, Captain America with four points, two points for T'Challa, two points for Barbara Gordon. And yeah, and you know, and that's your top nine. Who who was left off? Who scored one? Uh no, no. Uh, I guess I guess it was tied. Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah, with uh Ben Riley, I'm sure. I'm sure Ben Riley will we'll see oh, we'll see a little bit more, okay. yeah. see some more from Ben Riley in the coming in the coming months um, or weeks, as it were. But that brings us to this week's champion, aka eight and because he beat all of y'all. <laughs> sure did. The East Southeast Asian delegation, led by Peter Parker ever heard of him <laughs> and i told y'all and carnage ever heard of him nice so 27 points for peter parker 22 points for carnage 12 points for the green arrow uh, oliver queen nine points for venom seven points for for sue storm she's all up in that deadpool comic and, and she will be it's a team up Yep. And two points for Ben Grimm. So there you have it. There's our our first week, first week champion holding down the lead. Shout out to the East Southeast delegation. All right, Josh. What did they have? What was their score? How much are they leading me by? 79. They're up by 10. So the way we're the way we're doing it this year is whoever comes in first is eight no for that week seven and one six and whatever yep. um, the way down to oh and eight so we're not counting points scored so much as we're counting record oh no we're doing we're doing both we're doing both oh okay we're All doing right. both we know we, there's going to be a a uh win loss and then also a total scores and we'll see whether uh you know whether someone has a higher higher total score but a, a lower one loss got it so yes seven and one with 79 points this was an abnormal week for Miles Morales because of the anniversary issue with three stories. But uh but you know, Ben Riley. So yep, Ben Riley just waiting there, just waiting to pounce like that, like that uh like that meme. He's just creeping up in the back. Exactly. He's right, like right around the tree. <laughs> I got a whole ass Spider-Man waiting to jump into the game. Yep. And somebody Spider-Man is about to maybe fall off the map. But that brings us to the second half of our racial draft business, a.k.a. the supplemental draft. 
And we had a fun week, I thought, uh, with supplemental draft picks. What do you, what do you think of the characters overall? Um, I, I, was, I was really looking to see if there were any of the characters I really want on my supplemental team. And so mm-hmm. I was very happy that not only were good picks had, but none of them were ones that I was targeting. It was, it was, a, it was a fun week overall. Okay. All right. Well, I will go down the list. I will go down the list more so in the uh, conventional draft order. I know we had some some people who jumped the line a little bit because right. they were on the show last week, but you know, I uh, I'll start off with you guys, Latinx delegation, who announced it on the show. There was the that was uh, Dane Whitman, the Tyler Posey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read from the wiki for Black Knight. Wiki, wiki. <laughs> the latest wielder of the Ebony Blade. Ebony Blade. <laughs> in, a, in a long line of heroes and villains known as the Black Knight, Dane Whitman, at one point a member of the Avengers and leader of the Ultra Force, is now the current king of Weird World. Now, I'm not sure if that if, they, if that's sticking right now, because I know he had a recent... Um, a recent mini. I'm mm. not sure where he went with the recent mini, but he's uh you will see him in a in a little bit of in about a month in uh, Eternals, played by uh, Kit Harrington. Yep. So you know, like I said, I just said he had a recent mini, so his star is kind of rising. Yeah, I think I think he's gonna have be a high profile character by the end of this next run of Marvel movies. Right. Now, in terms of what the people thought, people were a little mixed. The people gave it a 73.7% approval rating, okay. including a 52.6% strongly approved, 21.1% somewhat approved, 5.3% somewhat disapproved, and 21.1% racist. <laughs> you know, you know, you hate to see it. You hate to see that kind of, you know, uh, you know, anti-Latino uh, bias. I don't know if we had a lot of uh, people in Texas who were involved in this poll, but I don't know, it's, it's really sad. It's really sad to see. But that brings us to a character that might might have gotten a little bit more approval. We'll see, see how it plays out. And this was from the multiracial delegation who acquired uh, Sync a.k.a. Everett Thomas. And uh, they chose as their visual reference. Oh, I can't remember this actor's name. Um, oh, dude from the dude from the IT crowd. Yes, give me a second. Richard Ayode. Yeah. Yes. As their, uh, so I guess they, you know, they were tired of the standard a uh, black man bald head, and they gave, and the multiracial delegation gave us the good hair. They gave us somebody with the good hair. Uh, he's in sync. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and read from the wiki for sync. He is currently a member of the X Men. Sync. Oh, this is, I love this origin. Let's see, we're gonna ring a bell. Sync is able to sync up with other mutants and use their powers as if they were his own. Sync is a founding member of Generation X and now officially a member of the X-Men. He also had a a storyline where he 
developed a little thing for for Laura. And they're both honestly one of the best issues of a comic book I've ever read. Like it's so good. Like it, that issue spans hundreds of years and a couple of days, like mm-hmm. simultaneously. But uh Sink is actually one of my favorite X-Men, probably my favorite X-Men right now. Um, just because he has that he's like 200 years old by mm-hmm. experience standards. And so he's therefore the strategic leader of the X-Men. Like they oh, defer yeah, to him point. for strategy. Um, because he's you know he's been alive for so long uh and and also like uh he's actually because because they found that when they re when they resurrect these mutants some of them some of their powers have become enhanced he actually Mm -hmm. can sync with anyone's powers now right not just mutants yeah yeah so so he being x-men is actually like huge because now he's interacting with people who are not Mm-hmm. necessarily mutants but are super powered now i don't remember when they did that like ill-fated generation x movie was sync in it i want to say he might he might have been a glaring omission i don't remember him being in it but it's yeah. been a very long time yeah i i don't remember a casting for him right um so so yeah, I mean, we've yet to see, we've yet to see sync in live action. So, yeah, but kind of a kind of an L for the black delegation. They lose one of the prominent mutants, but it's only it's only partial L because the multiracial delegation kept him mostly black. Right. Uh, the people gave it a one hundred percent approval rating, with all one hundred percent strongly approving. All right. All so, right. you know, good on the multiracial delegation with a nice supplemental pick. Now we transition from one with a high approval rating that was not too much of an L for the black delegation to something that was very much an L for the black delegation and probably doesn't have the same level of approval. And that would be the white delegation mm. and their acquisition of, oops, actually, you know what? We're out of order. You know, the transition was too perfect, so I'm going to stay with it. Ah. <laughs> um, the white delegation acquired Jefferson Pierce, a.k.a. Black Lightning. Yep. A.k.a. Black Lightning, um, <laughs> his way all the way to white. Um, so so, so that, that's what they did. Now, I have not yet seen uh, any of Power, but I hear this white guy, uh, Joseph Sikora from Power, is uh, pretty popular. And he will be uh, this uh, white te- this, this, this white teacher in the black community that's just trying to reach the kids. He's Julio. He's going to stand and deliver, or he's <laughs> going to show us the dangerous mind. Right. <laughs> Do you know what? that the dangerous minds? The movie was based on a book called "My Posse Don't Do Homework." I believe I did know that at one point, but it took me a sec. Like I remember that title. Yeah, but I didn't. I wouldn't have remembered it if you hadn't have you said it. But uh, yeah, it's a good thing they went with that title. It's uh, a better title. Minds. It does went. appear that the movie is a really bad adaptation, and that the book might actually be more interesting than the movie was. But uh, but the book didn't have Coolio. Yeah, it so. didn't have Gangsters Paradise. Yeah, so. there was no Gangsters Paradise. Right. Um, so yeah, we're just gonna go ahead and assume that anytime um, 
white black lightning uses his powers that that just the song just kicks in like <laughs> yeah it's like omar on the wire like like you just hear bam 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 and people are just like white lightning's coming white lightning's coming <laughs> like whitening oh man so um i'll go ahead and read the, read the wiki oh Jefferson Michael Pierce, aka, oh, you know what I just thought of? He was a uh, a former, I think, decathlete. Oh. So he's uh, deceptively fast. Um, <laughs> he's sneaky athletic. Because he's such a cerebral decathlete. <laughs> he's sneaky athletic. He's crafty. <laughs> he's crafty. He's got a motor on him. <laughs> he's a teacher and former Olympic gold medal winning athlete and fights crime using his electrokinetic powers. And the power of privilege. Um, so yeah, so uh, white lightning or black white lightning or appropriation lightning. I don't know. However, you want to figure it out. Um, at least he's not using the old '70s look with the afro. That might might take it too far. Be, yeah, that'd be rough. <laughs> uh, the people were wanted no parts of these shenanigans with a 18.2 percent approval rating. That includes 9.1% strongly approved, probably just the one white guy. Um, <laughs> 9.1% somewhat approved, 9.1% somewhat disapproved, and 72.7% strongly disapprove of whitening, black lightening. Um, and I mean, it is a crime. It's a crime against the racial draft. Yeah, yeah, it, I, I agree. Um, and, it's, and it's the reason that, uh, you know, you heard it here first, we're instituting a challenge system in uh, uh, challenges in, in season four. Love it. Uh, how it's going to work is still, still to be determined, but uh, any delegation has the ability to challenge a draft pick and uh, potentially, potentially uh, save their pick from being pillaged. Wow, how are you going to challenge an auction draft? That's interesting. Well, you're going to have to match the money. Okay. Um, but uh, if if it's determined that the pick somehow violates the core integrity of the character, uh, according to the people, ah. you know, you'll have the opportunity to make your case. You'll have the opportunity to make your case and... And I, like I said, this is still to be determined, but it's possible that the winning, uh, the winning team forfeits the money and gives it to the other team. Oh, I like that. So you may have to wrinkles be, here. Yeah. So you may have to you know, really have to be able to sell your, sell your case. If you want to be, go ahead and, and do something like, uh, turn Luke Cage into an Asian man, <laughs> for instance, <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> but if you, you know, like I said, if you challenge and your challenge is unsuccessful, then you're just giving money. You're just giving that money right back to the delegation. Interesting. So, I like that. So, so that's the trick. So you're saying I should just go out there and make challengeable plays <laughs> to get money from other teams. <laughs> That's a, that is, that might be a strategy. Like you hear that, Tomati? <laughs> I've got Namor. 
<laughs> What's it going to cost me? Just in time for that movie. Um, <laughs> That's true. But that brings us to the next character who I accidentally skipped over, but will devote the proper amount of time to now. And that is Bane by the East Southeast Asian delegation. Now, I understand why this is a supplemental pick because Bane is currently deceased. Um, but I would imagine that when Bane is eventually resurrected, he might be a character that that might make his way into the main draft, the scoring draft. I mean, Bane will be resurrected later this month. He's in Task Force Z. Oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he'll be back. <laughs> I mean, do, do, do zombies score? We need to, we need to find out yeah, from it's the interesting. FCL, Like, Does a zombie version of a character score? Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> I uh this is this was a good pick. Like Batista is just like yeah the perfect Bane. He just is. I agree. Um, you know, he's and theoretically, I know he's been lobbying for the role. You know, he might find himself actually, you know, the casting for Bane in the uh, in the DC universe. Yeah. And uh there would be there are probably gonna be bonus points to be scored in that respect. If, if it happens and there's a whole bunch of art floating around of Bane in the, in the Venom suit. Yep, definitely. So there might be a character that the East Southeast Asian delegation will want to hold on to. I agree. But I will read from the wiki, although we should probably all know about Bane, but you he know. Born in the dark, molded by it. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I kind of want. I kind of want to see if if Dave Bautista will do the voice. Like, <laughs> yeah, like the the you know the race it should be definitely be changed because Bane shouldn't be a British guy, but the, the voice, voice should be canon. Yeah, I feel like the I feel like uh, Tom Hardy did enough to make the Venom voice canon. Like, is he he does the voice in Harley Quinn? You know, I mean, I know he hasn't done it on Young Justice, but just make the voice canon. You know? you know, I haven't, uh, I hadn't noticed until Army of the Dead how much Batista sounds like Mickey Rourke. Mm. Like he sounds exactly like Mickey Rourke, where it's like, I wonder if he studied him. Yeah, it's like like later stage Mickey Rourke too. Like you know the wrestler yeah, wonder, and yeah, I wonder if he studied him because Mickey Rourke had that comeback. You know, did the wrestler. I don't yep. know if he had any. I don't know if Batista had any association with the wrestler. You know, the production of it. It's very but, possible. You know, yeah. but. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he's a bigger guy, you know. I mean, but Bane, I mean, not Bane, sorry. Batista, you know, does take his craft very seriously. So, I would, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he yeah. looked down. I was, like, looking down. I was like, wait, is Mickey Rourke in this movie? And I looked up. I was like, oh, shit, that's Batista. But here, born sentenced to life in prison for the crimes of his father. Already, that's how you know he's not white. Um, the boy who would be Bane <laughs> learned that the strong survive and the strongest become king, forging himself into the pinnacle of physical and mental potential and becoming king of his prison. He learned of the Batman, king of Gotham City, escaping and studying his quarry. Bane challenged and defeated Batman, becoming known as the man who broke the bat. He also defeated Batman quite a few times before being ultimately killed by the Joker. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it that the Joker is iconic and is, you know, the arch nemesis of Batman, but Bane is stronger, mm -hmm. is as smart, is 
a master strategist and uh, is relentless mm-hmm. and is like ultimately like I think Batman's like greatest foe, if not the most iconic. Yes, yeah, so, the Joker, but yeah, I guess I feel like Bane is if someone was a villain version of Batman. Yeah. Whereas the Joker is everything about Batman just inverted. Yes. You know, Agreed. like he challenges Batman almost to his core of like, does what he stands for even make sense? Right. Whereas Bane is like, you're just not all that you're cracked up to be, you know, because I'm, I've, I've been at, you know, the whole thing, the whole speech, you, you simply adopted the darkness. I was born in it. <laughs> you know, like he, like he offers sort of a critique of, of Batman's um, methods from the direction of you're this rich kid who, you know, you lost, yeah, you lost your parents. That sucks. But you didn't have to go this route. You didn't have to actually, you know, whereas Bane didn't really have a choice. Also, like, I mean, there are interesting, like, um, funhouse mirror versions. Like, both mm-hmm. characters are dealing with the legacies of their father. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas Batman's, you know, affords him all this privilege. Bane, because of his father, was, was you know, was for, sentenced to... Mm-hmm a desperate childhood and and a, a really extreme upbringing and so like yeah it is it is kind of like evil evil batman in a way or at least batman if you took away all of the privilege and all of the hope but you left the the nature version you know like his mm-hmm. brain is still a right. top-notch brain his willpower is still top-notch um I think yeah, I think that's a. I think Bane is a really interesting character who gets short shrift because, because he's so big, mm-hmm. and because, you know, the first time most people saw Bane, was mm-hmm. not in the Nightfall comic. It was in the you know as Uma Thurman's henchman in, in a really bad Batman right. movie. You know, so. Right. But I think I think Bane is is a is a great character. Yeah, I agree. Um, and 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 I and honestly, I think that even though he was given that short shrift in that movie. I still think he's probably a lot of people's sort of second choice of favorite Batman villains. Mm. I don't you know. know. I, I don't know if he's like reached, well, maybe after Tom Hardy, uh, you know, played the character. I don't know if he's reached that in the general zeitgeist among like maybe among comic book fans, probably. But, but like, that's what I'm saying. I think yeah. after Tom, Hyde, Tom Hardy's performance, Hmm, um, I wonder. Like he obviously he didn't reach the, um, you know, why am I forgetting his name? The the, the Joker, Heath Ledger Joker. The Heath Ledger Joker. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's not he's not in that league, but but he's still he was still iconic in his own way, and he's still a character that people have tremendous respect for as a guy that they want to see Batman square off against. Sure. Yeah. Um, and again, he's known for breaking the bat. Sure. So, so that's, that's is going to be his claim to fame and people, you know, like anytime you can get an opportunity to have Batman lose in single combat to somebody, uh, it's probably going to be Bane. Mm-hmm. He generally outsmarts him. Um, right. Like, I think that characters like the Riddler, characters like the Penguin, characters like uh, Catwoman are sort of like old school. 
and yeah. people associate them with Batman, but they don't necessarily think of him as they think of them as Batman's nemesis at that same level. Right. Yeah, I, I would say, right, if you were ranking, if you were to say who is Batman's nemesis, Bane probably comes up. But if you were to say who's your favorite Batman villain, Bane is probably, I mean, because people would probably still say Harley Quinn is a villain. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, there, there, are still, there are other yeah. characters, yeah. Yeah. But, or Poison but anyways, Ivy. Or yeah. I, think, I think Batista would be amazing in the in the modern DC movies as a Bane. Yeah. I think he'd be great. Now I gotta ask, I gotta ask because there's been a lot of talk about uh, Bane as uh, a Latino uh, Batman villain that has never been portrayed as such. It's true. In any kind of other medium, as far as I know of. Um, I don't believe he's ever spoken Spanish. Um, I do believe he is coded as Latino in the animated series or okay. the the new, whatever that that last chapter of the Batman, the animated series was where they changed all the character designs. He does okay. wear like a luchador mask and, and yeah. I do believe he's he's coded as such. But other than that, yeah. <laughs> See, what's so weird is that I've always known him to wear a mask that's evocative of a wrestler. But I didn't. I never thought of it as a luchador mask. I guess I thought of like maybe because I remember the machines from like mm. the '80s that you know that were like a Japanese pro wrestler. So I guess I just sure. thought of it as like a pro wrestling mask more so than a specifically a luchador mask. That's especially fair. since he's not flipping around. You know, like right, right. He's, he's, right. Not, he's not doing. If he did a hurricane rana, then I'd be like, all right, he's a luchador. Yeah. and he's yeah, he's not calling himself <laughs> Santos. He's he's big. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, you know, in in. I think we said this last season, like for Filipinos, I will make that exception because they are the one Asian nation that was like, no, you guys were run by the Spanish, same as we were. And you guys were subjugated by conquistadors, same as we were. And a lot of your, I mean, they have foods like. Yeah, I was was about to say they are the the Latinos of Asia. They really Uh, are. (laughs) They have Spanish last names a lot of the times. Right. It's not, you know they're they're basically our our care bear cousins i feel that i feel that just you know just had to check in that's fair. you know as a latinx delegation you know but a big big move big move for the east southeast asian delegation i tip my hat the people had to had to chime in figure out what the people thought the people gave it 83 percent approval rating nice uh 33.3 percent strongly approved 50 percent somewhat approved Zero percent, somewhat disapprove, and sixteen point seven percent. I'm gonna say racist. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say racist. Um, I, I just won, wondered when they cast their votes. Like, I do not approve of this vote. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I love that, like when I went to see that movie, and like you can't hear anything because it's a Chris Nolan movie. You don't mm-hmm. understand a word anyone's saying, and the plane's really loud. And then all of a sudden, like fifteen decibels above the rest of it, it's just like perhaps they're wondering why you would shoot a man before throwing him from an airplane. Like my wife laughed, and I was like, "She goes, is that going to be his voice the whole movie?" I was like, "Yes, it is, and it's probably going to be at that like fuck you." Oh, you couldn't understand in the trailer. You didn't understand what he was saying. Oh, let me turn him up a little bit. <laughs> nice. That brings us to the black delegation, who uh, I, I want to say this was an inspired pick. Um, as you know, the black delegation made a very controversial trade for Nubia. Um, but I found no issue with it. Uh, I, I'm sure you didn't. 
uh, uh, Latinx delegation with Wonder Woman um, and Captain America now through, Captain. through that trade. Um, but they they did their they did the thing they did. because they in the supplemental draft they acquired Hippolyta, the mother of Wonder Woman, the mother of Nubia, and they squared that circle by making her. Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on her name. Gina Torres. Gina Torres. Oh my God. <laughs> I apologize to the world. I'm looking directly at her face and I'm just mesmerized by her face. I'm like, ah. Gina Torres, Afro-Latina goddess. Yes. Badass that we've seen in many performances. And she now is credible as the mother of both Wonder Woman and Nubia. And, and again, a Wonder Woman in her own right. Uh, currently in the Justice League, uh, she's the she's the Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe at one point she was in the JSA, which now now that part we might have to figure out, right? Because like that's the 1940s. So, <laughs> so, so she's a Negro. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, but you know, I mean, she's like, say have... it one more time. Say it again. <laughs> say it again. See what happens. Uh, but. I'll read from the wiki really quick. Queen Hippolyta is the ruler of the Amazons and mother of Diana and adopted mother of Donna Troy. She was also the first and later the fourth Wonder Woman after Diana and Artemis. But yeah, you know, I have no, I take no issue with either the casting or the visual reference. Um, I think that she could kill it. And, yes. and I like the fit. I love the fit with the two um, you know, with the fan, with the with the additional draftings, this is what the spirit of the supplemental draft is for. Trying to like flesh out, flesh out the universe, out the and you know, one hundred percent approval rating, including ninety percent strongly approve. The people full were fully on board with this, and personally, I love to see it. Yeah, this is an actress, Gina Torres, who's just like, she's always exuded like a strength and like elegance. Mm -hmm. And it's a perfect match. Like, even honestly, even if uh, even if both Nubia and and Wonder Woman were drafted by other delegations, Gina Torres still would have been a perfect Hippolyta. Yeah, I agree. Now, the next pick, I got to admit. I've never heard about, I've never heard of this character until he was selected. So, um, but I gotta ask, his name does seem to be sounding a little bit uh, on the Spanish side. Okay. And his name was Vargas. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's an X-Men character. Weirdly enough, his real name is Nigel Bennington. When you gotta do um, crimes, you take Latino's name. Clearly, clearly, My name's Nigel Bennington. You're looking for Vargas. Yeah, Vargas. Uh, but the Polynesian delegation. Now, I gotta admit, Nigel Bennington. I could probably buy a Polynesian named Nigel Bennington. Sure. Um, but, but Vargas. You know, interesting, interesting approach. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and go dive right into the wiki because there's not a lot. Uh, he was created for X for Extreme X Men by Chris Claremont back in. Oh, do do I not have a year for this? Two thousand one, it looks like. Okay, two thousand one. 
Yeah. Uh, he claims to be the next step in human evolution. His powers are agility, invulnerability, swordsmanship, unarmed combat, and he's a weapons master. Uh, he's the plateau of peak human speed, stamina, strength, agility, and skill. And uh, yeah, he uses swords, but haven't seen him in a while. Haven't seen him in a while. And um, for the fan cast, Maori actor Benjamin Mitchell. Yes, sure. I, sure. I mean, <laughs> I can't tell you if it's a good match for Vargas or not, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know a lot about the character. I know that, you know, part of the fun of the supplemental draft is not caring about uh, the, the character's appearances and just kind of going for what you what you'd like to see. Mm-hmm. So have at it, Vargas. Uh, 80% approval rating with all 80 strongly approving and 20% somewhat disapproving. Probably mm. like, who is Vargas? <laughs> right. I know that, if you Google Vargas X-Men, like one of the storylines that come up is, who is Vargas, the man who <laughs> killed Psylocke? It's like, oh. Okay. I think he's the man who killed Psylocke. Yeah, but uh, Psylocke's back, so... Right, and I don't even know which Psylocke he killed. Like, yeah, it's a very convoluted story. Right. But I did see... I, I think one person responded and said, uh, the one's Vargas fan uh, was someone who said, yes! <laughs> now, uh, shout out to... Shout out to Sahir, who said... Now that Storm, Storm is region of soul, they need to bring Vargas back. I'm ready for round two of their fight. So apparently they fought. Okay. All right. Um, so Vargas has one fan. There we go. The Thrilla and Morocco. That brings that. us to <laughs> that brings us to the Jewish delegation. Crazy Jane. Um, characters I'm not super familiar with, but mm-hmm. I believe she's part of the Doom Patrol. Yes. Um, right. Her name is, uh, her, her, Crazy Jane is her code name. Her real name is Kay Chalice. Um, she suffered, real, oh. Her real name is Crazy Janet. <laughs> she uh, she kind of reminds me, I mean, based on this origin, kind of reminds me of Legion. Yes. In that she has uh, 64 personalities and all of her personalities have superpower. Yes. She's so, kind of the high point for me of the Doom Patrol series is so much as I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a good performance and it's an interesting character. Um, but yeah, it, it did remind me a lot of Legion. And their fan cast, who I am a fan of this actress, Alison Brie. Yes, she's great. So can she pull off 64 personalities? Maybe. I'll watch her pull off anything. <laughs> I, I I concur. Um, but yeah, based on based on her performance in Glow, which I was a huge fan of, I'd like to see her try. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, uh, Crazy Jane, eighty percent approval rating, including sixty percent strongly approve, twenty percent somewhat approve. Zero percent, somewhat disapproved, and twenty percent anti-Semitic. Yeah, I suppose. Yes, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I hate to see it. 
Next up, South Asian delegation. Another one of my favorite picks of the round. South Asian delegation acquired Wanda Maximoff. Yeah. The Scarlet Witch. Who, you know, there's a the Roma background. You know, the, mm-hmm. the Roma people do have roots in uh, in the Indian peninsula, I believe. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the the South Asian delegation said, yeah, we're just going to go all the way. Going to go all the way. Yeah. Brown, brown Scarlet Witch. Which she kind of sometimes is drawn as anyway. Well, they've been trying Brown-ish. to, yeah, they've been trying to sort of bring her over to, to that um Obviously, there are some questions about how it's going to square with these as yet undrafted Magneto, right? Um, and whether that whole like "I'm your father" deal can like work, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But for now, you know, there was a fan cast, uh, Noreen DeWolf, um, mm. who I think actually could look the part. Yep, I agree. Um, obviously, she too is dead mm-hmm. right maybe i mean she's I got, that, honestly, got that dark hole to that yeah i was surprised scarlet wish didn't get drafted in the proper like, main draft because yes there's still the dark hold event she's still gonna show well i guess she's probably not gonna show in spider-man but she's still gonna um i think she's still like alive right she's still manifesting on krakoa yeah i guess the question was that you know at we were her death happened you know fairly early on in our drafting process yes you know and 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 i think people were just a little bit wary of trying to figure out like what her her profile was going to be so i get why people were a little bit reluctant to sort of bring her into the fold in the scoring draft but now that now that we're in supplemental territory She's right Honestly, there. like if I was Gordy, that would have been a, a character I would have taken a swing on with Scarlet mm-hmm. Witch, just in case, because if she does show, it's going to be magical. It's going to be right. power laden. And so there, there will be points mm-hmm. uh, later. I, and I think it'll be right at near the end of our scoring session, you know? Yeah, who knows? Maybe she'll make a surprise appearance in uh, Spider-Man. Maybe, you know? Right. But, I mean... You know, she doesn't need a lot of introduction. If you guys watch WandaVision, you know what she's all about. Reality manipulation. You know that she's got um, this sort of power set, this chaos magic that a lot of people don't really know a lot about. We know that she, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, she's uh, all about the Darkhold. And then now now in the comics, she's, she's going to be involved with the Darkhold as well. We know she's got her brother Quicksilver, which, you know, kind of gets a short shrift short a little bit. We know that she's the mother of Wiccan and Speed. And she's got her little thing thing with her, um, you know, we'll call him a robotic love machine. Um, but yeah. And of course, she she did kill like 90% of the mutants. Well, she ended their mutantness, but she didn't That's, kill them, right? That is yeah. fair. She did not literally kill them. She just took away their, their powers. Right. But yeah. And you know she's not well liked for that reason, right? In the mutant in in mutant class, but you know she was murdered 
recently and maybe and maybe we'll we'll figure that out and maybe she can come back into the fold and people will like her again mm-hmm. but you know a lot of people are thinking that she may break the multiverse in in the multiverse of madness so it does remain to be she's playing a major role in in the zeitgeist and like i said you know she's got her her weird her weird relationship with uh with vision that mm-hmm. that has people intrigued I bet she shows up, or I guess I don't bet. I could see her showing up as the post-credit stinger for Spider-Man. If it connects to Doctor Strange, you know? Sure. So that's Scarlet Witch. The people, did I already say what the people said? 80% approval. That doesn't sound familiar, but maybe. 80% approvals, all 80% strongly approve. Okay. And 20% somewhat disapprove. Probably mutants. Probably mutants. Yes. <laughs> and that brings us to a little bit of an irregular thing, but the Native American delegation decided since they're at the bookends, they get their back-to-backs, and they chose to go for the twins. Not, you know, different twins, I guess. Uh, Aurora and North Star who you might know from Alpha Flight, but you also might know from X-Men books. Mm-hmm. They are Canadians and they are now Native American. They're First Nations um, mutants, one of whom was adopted into a harsher situation and one of whom was adopted into a more uh, upper crust situation. And I think that, you know, given what we know now about the experience of uh, Native Americans in uh, in Canada, or First Nations people rather, in Canada with adoptions. I think it's pretty poignant and I think it could, you know, uh, very be very rich for storytelling. Absolutely. Yep, it's uh, it's been a really dark year of discovery in, in mm-hmm. terms of that, that, uh, that development. And honestly, it was almost uh, when that, when that, New York, I think the New York Times piece that came mm-hmm. out. Um, T had told us a similar story. Mm-hmm. It threw the draft, and I was yeah. like, "Man, like, <laughs> like the similarities were like it was it was shocking." It's like, wait, I've heard this. You should. Are we sure we're talking about Canada? Are we sure we're talking about New Zealand? Like, and yeah, it happens to it, I, it happens to a lot of Indigenous people. Yeah, it's crazy. So Awful. I mean, I think that that I think that to the extent that that though, you know, that North Star and Aurora haven't really gotten their, their stories sort of, well, I mean, I don't read a lot of Alpha Flight, so maybe a lot of their stories were told more in Alpha Flight, but mm-hmm. I think that in the mainstream, these, these are characters that are very sort of low on the radar. Yeah. I think, I think that for, you know, for the Native American delegation, it'd be a nice way to um, give that, give those characters a little bit more of a dimension and yeah. they wouldn't just be oh another set of super powered uh twins who you know whose relationship is a little bit a little bit on the creepy side <laughs> <laughs> right and, you know i would be remiss if i didn't mention uh north star being uh the first um marvel uh openly gay character and he was the first character to get married really so, first yeah first uh um, yeah, same-sex marriage in the Marvel Universe. 
and that would be North Star and his husband Kyle, who is a I think he's a black man named Kyle, which you know that doesn't always happen. Um, I haven't seen one since Living Single. I was about to say the exact same thing. <laughs> and as for the approval rating, we still have four days left, so you can cast your vote. Do you strongly approve? Do you somewhat approve? Do you somewhat disapprove? Or are you racist? <laughs> cast your vote and let us know. And if you do cast uh, for strongly approve, just go ahead and say I'm racist. Uh, that's why I cast for strongly disapprove. Yeah. It's a safe space. You can yeah. say you're racist. Yeah, totally. I mean, we won't we won't uh, retweet that. No. <laughs> Not at all. And uh, since we're in the midst, I may as well explain what's coming next, which will be from the South Asian delegation, hot off the presses, their character is going to be Lex Luthor and their fan cast, Riz Ahmed. Ooh. Who I was able to track down a picture of Riz Ahmed with a bald head. Okay. From uh, The Night Of? Yes. He shaves his head in that movie? Yeah, in that show. So, yeah, South Asian, South Asian Lex. I think that. Yeah, he's out there. He's out there being one of the smartest men in the DC universe. Yep. He's out there plotting on the black, the downfall of the black Superman. <laughs> you know, doesn't trust him. Not because of any kind of, you know, uh, racism in the South Asian community. Not at all. <laughs> no, no, no. Couldn't be. Couldn't be. But he's just. He just wants his chance, wants his chance to be, to be the man of tomorrow. Right. Nice. So yes, Lex Luthor. Ever heard of him? <laughs> now, since you're on the show, you get the privilege, jump in the line a little bit. Do you know who you'd like to scoop up for the? for the supplemental draft yeah i uh i uh, i've been i've been itching all week uh i need my boy back i need wilson fisk (laughs) nice can i tell you that i racked the internet i was looking i was like let me see if anyone else is as good a fit for kingpin as fat joe and i came up i mean like i got some you know, like, I honestly think that there are versions that could be played by, like, I actually think Luis Guzman would make a fantastic kingpin. Uh, but he's not Fat Joe. He's just not Fat Joe. And so, yeah, Wilson Fisk. Give me Wilson Fisk. Give me Fat Joe. Look, I'm not mad at it. We can run it all the way back. Just bring back all the the posts from, from last season. Yeah, we'll just lean back. Into those posts. <laughs> exactly. Nice. We'll do the rock away. Exactly. Wilson Fisk, the kingpin. I know a lot of people love them. So Vincent D'Onofrio. But just, you know, just imagine. Imagine through the through the wonder of the racial draft. Puerto Rican kingpin. That's it. I think Fat Joe was Cuban. And oh. Puerto Rican, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I think he's half. 
Big pun was Puerto Rican, like a hundred. I think Fat Joe is half and half. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So yeah, I'm here for it. I was here for it before. I'm still here for it. You know, just recycle all the images. I'll be, <laughs> it'll be it'll be easy for me. I've been um, reading Chip Zdarsky's uh, Daredevil run. I'm like mm-hmm. 27 issues in, and I've been reading for a week. Um, and it's it's like a seasoned television. It's so good and. I loved Kingpin before and I love him even more now as he's like, you know, traversing the political realm as the mayor mm-hmm. and, and like, you know, finding people aren't quite as afraid of him up here. I, I think it's, it's all, it's really, really uh, complex yeah. stuff. I really dig it. And, you know, Kingpin's got an event coming up. I mean, it's not going to be points, but right. he's, he's, he's going to stay in the, in the zeitgeist. Yeah. So I feel you. I feel you. All right. So that's it for our racial draft business. Would you, what do you, uh, what would you like to see um, in the, I mean, we were already sort of a part way through, through this, through this round or the supplemental draft, but uh, you know, I'm not saying you should name any characters, but who who would you like to see sort of bring the pain as it were? Uh, I mean, I want to see, um, I will name characters like I want to see Magneto off the board. I want to see Apocalypse oh. off the board. Like I want to see big, let's take some big names off the board here because, you know, last year we were a little more stringent on who mm-hmm. could be taken in the supplemental. And so a lot of big names were not able to be taken. Like let's, let's reimagine some of these characters. Um, well, see, my thing is that I like when these, I like when the supplemental picks sort of take into account who the delegations picked in earlier rounds. Okay. You know, so I like seeing the connective tissue aspect of it. So, you know, I I wouldn't mind seeing some like non-powered characters get picked just sure. because, yeah. you know, just because of their connections to, you know, to characters that that have already been picked. You know, yes, I can't think absolutely. of yeah, I could I could absolutely see myself drafting in the next round like a Latin American Wesley to go with my Latin American kingpin. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just like you know, there are just there are big big forces and and that does include non-powered characters that mm-hmm. are huge. Lois Lane is a huge character. Right. But she, you know, she doesn't have power, she's not she doesn't have her own book. But let's let's see let's see some swings taken on some of these big big characters, yeah. or get really specific and be like, yeah, I've always wanted to reimagine Forget Me Not as you know <laughs> Jewish or whatever. Like, right, right. Let's see it. Yeah. So and yeah, I mean, and I'd like to hear some backstories, guys. I mean, I'm 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 giving I'm I'm just ready to give out bonus bonus points for these backstories but you know no one wants to take me up on it it's, it's really shame it's really shame <laughs> i will uh you know what as we see how we're scoring this season i'll mm-hmm. be like yeah i probably need some bonus points let me i didn't realize how good the east asian delegation was going to be this season yeah they've got they've got some sneaky good characters nah, for sure. they got some, yeah they got some real bangers all right, so that takes us to our news. We're, we're, we're transitioning from our racial draft business into our news. 
And I promise uh, I won't get on my lefty soapbox and talk about how corporatism is uh, disgusting. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it was, it was good. It was, it was a good, it was a good little discussion. But uh, it's only right that we started off with something that's going to lead to bonus points, and that is the fact that Phantom Two came out last week, and it had a record ninety million dollar opening. Did you see this coming? uh i saw a huge opening i don't know that i saw 90 million but i did see a, I, I didn't think the movie was gonna do poorly because the first movie was a shocking surprise you know like success for me so i i just this time i didn't underestimate it i i gotta be honest i assume that with the delta variant and certain things happening that people would be reluctant to go out to the theater and brave uh and brave COVID to see a, by my estimation, uh, less than mediocre uh, comic book movie. Now I understand that the movie had its fans and, I, and don't get me wrong, um, I did have fun once I was able to hold my nose and just accept that I was getting uh, a crappy movie. There were, there were things in the movie that were, that were entertaining, but normally one doesn't uh, risk you know, risk and infectious disease for for uh, a fun day in the movie theater with weed. Um, so I was, again, shocked to find $91 million worth at the domestic box office for Venom, Let There Be Carnage. And by that token, I got to give bonus points to both Venom and Carnage for, for the shit that they pulled. And, and yeah, because they pulled some shit. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and give, uh, both Venom and Carnage seven bonus points for, uh, both appearing in the movie and, uh, the movie making as much money as they did. So that is 14 bonus points for the East Southeast Asian delegation. The rich get richer. Yeah, seven bonus points for Venom and seven bonus points for Carnage. And no one else appeared in this movie. Uh, well, <laughs> no one else. Moving on. Let's just say that uh, there's another character that appeared in this movie, but to say who did would be a spoiler, but those bonus points are being awarded right now. <laughs> that was my way of making sure you tallied points so didn't forget about them <laughs> thank you thank you thank you thank you um and you know we we are not we are not here to spoil venom let there be carnage but we are here to award bonus points for uh surprise appearances of characters in the post-credit scene of venom let there be carnage so tally ho for the <laughs> east southeast asian delegation who are clearly driving the, the power of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, Venom, Ven this is a good time to, to have Venom and Carnage. Yeah, good on them. But like I said, 90 million, huge. Yeah. Huge, as they say. We're um, talking about um, Shang-Chi being the biggest movie of the pandemic. Watch out. <laughs> 
because Venom Carnage took a big chunk right away. Right. And um, and listen, next week. I mean, I know it's not technically a superhero movie, but uh, James Bond coming. Mm. Uh, so I read something uh, today that said that they it might it might break a hundred million. Interesting. And it's already, I think, made a hundred million overseas. Wow. And yeah, and I guess since this is like the last one of this run, mm-hmm. yeah. And they did like they serialized this. This. Oh yeah, yeah. These. This is the first Daniel Craig ones. I, this is the I first don't one that I can them. remember um, where it felt like it was. It was actually like a saga, uh, you know, storylines carrying over from movie to movie. So I'm looking forward to it. I already got my ticket. I'm. I'm seeing it on on Thursday night at like 11 o'clock so Mm. (laughs) yeah right but let's see what else is cracking in the news not too much oh wait probably the biggest story of the week which um involves a certain amount certain major uh, billion dollar corporation and a certain uh uh, a-list actress deciding that at the end of the day money the end of the day who knew at who except me <laughs> right and and wouldn't you know it in two days the movie will be launching on disney plus so uh, it's almost like there was a deadline of when they should probably best settle the settle their lawsuit so that everyone could be on the same page and promote this movie full blast yes scarlett johansson reportedly 40 million um but not confirmed because they're all confidential they'll never confirm that like what 40 million on top of the 20 million is that what we're saying not sure okay whether it's 40 million on top of the 20 million or if it's you know because that would that, that would make the most sense to me is like if she was coming in saying she was owed 100 million and you ended at 60 million like that that doesn't shock me yeah but i also think that her 100 million included her original like the one that she was asking for included her original payout right that's what i'm saying like so like there was 80 million like the 20 million was her payout was her salary and now we're talking about 80 million of bonus basically that she was owed for and then she got half of it right yeah yeah i could see it going either way but either but here's the thing we're not going to get confirmed either way. But here's Never. what we here's the other piece of the puzzle. Um, sorry, two other pieces of the puzzle. The first piece is that um, according to insiders, it's not coming in one lump sum. Okay. Um, the other uh, important piece is that all of a sudden her project is back on the docket. Her Tower of Power Disney project what? Is, has been you know, it was, people were saying, I don't, we, we don't know if it's going to happen. It is definitely happening. Of course it is. Of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah. Get- uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, honestly, I don't know what I said at the beginning of this ordeal. <laughs> I really don't. But I don't feel like I was ever like, what is she doing? She's She'll never work in Hollywood again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just didn't anyone, seem like- Anyone who was making that case that she was going to be blacklisted was talking way out of their ass. 
Um, yeah. Now I, I feel like I, I was pretty much like, just give her her money, whatever she's yeah. owed, and let's move on. Well, right. I was more in the camp of like, they're going to work it out. Um, the details are going to be confidential. And um, obviously, it was a bad look, The some of the statements that they put out. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, big check gets everybody back back in the in in the uh in business together yeah and i was never one of those people who thought that this tower of terror project was going to go away forever um i i didn't had i known when the date was going to be when black widow was going to hit disney plus i probably would have said oh yeah it's going to be settled like within the week of when it comes to disney plus i mean i could have seen a situation where as a bargaining you know, as a, as a negotiating ploy, they start leaking that they're just going to go ahead with the Tower of Terror movie with a different actress. I mean, like, that happens all the time in Hollywood mm-hmm. as well. Like, Warner Brothers did that to Jack Nicholson yeah. you know, to get yeah, Joker. But, they said, oh, we might get Robin Williams, and then he signed up, you know? Right. Like, so. But that would have been that would have been an escalation that was unnecessary, given right. they already put out the It never came of, to like, it. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's... Excuse me. This feels like a win all around. Yeah. Agreed. You know, because Disney still got their win with Shang-Chi, their continuing yep. win. I mean, I'm still, I'm a little disappointed because I I like Premier Access, you know? I, mm-hmm. I I thought it was a good a good option for seeing the movie multiple times. Um, you know, I've seen Shang-Chi three times now, and I've had to go to the theater all three times. I would, probably would have only gone to the theater maybe twice. I kind of have a feeling that so they so they release their entire slate direct to theaters now with these 45 day windows. And I kind of have a feeling that they're going to find that not all of their IP is recession or is pandemic proof. Mm -hmm. Marvel movies are Marvel movies. It's a different thing. Maybe Star Wars movies are Star Wars movies, but like your animated, you know, Mm -hmm. your animated film. I'm sorry, like. I'm not taking my kids if they're not vaccinated. I'm not taking them to the theater to see that. Um, And like, you know, Cruella, something like Cruella, like your live action children's films. I'm not taking my kids to see that. But Marvel. Well, I mean, well, I mean, but Jungle Cruise, I believe still did pretty well in the theater, despite also having premier access. I need to pull up the number, but. But didn't Jungle Cruise also come out in that kind of sweet spot area late spring mm-hmm. it was before black widow right like kind of around where fast fast saga 17 came out or whatever that movie was called maybe let me look at it uh no it came out july did it in theaters let me make well let's make sure about this Yeah, it came out July twenty uh, fourth. Okay. Um, sorry, July thirtieth in 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 theaters. July twenty fourth at Disneyland. Um, it didn't make that much money actually. I'm looking at it now. Um, only made about two hundred million. Um, not counted. They. I don't think they ever released what the. I don't think they ever released what the. Um, uh, Disney Plus Premier Access money was because The that. Rock never sued them. <laughs> to be like, I need my money. Right. Um, but you know, it's not, 
listen, I got to be honest. I didn't think it was going to make a ton of money even before the pandemic, mm. but I mean, it probably would have made a little more. Yeah, I mean, it only made domestically only made 116 million. Right. Yeah, yeah, they're saying 210 million. Mm-hmm. Which, but again, this is one of those situations where people were projecting Black Widow for you know 800 million, 700 million, somewhere in that realm. So. Yeah. When you when you only make, you know, when you only make what three hundred and fifty million plus another hundred million at, at the premier access, right. yeah, it's going to be disappointing. The other thing, the other factor, which you know, not enough people talk about, but we, I think we talked about it here on the on the podcast, is the lack of a China release. Yes, it's just a new part of the calculus that they're going to have to factor in into the expectations. Yeah, but I think that that's another reason that this case had to settle. Because eventually that has to be factored into the analysis in court. Right. Like what would what were your expectations if if you knew for a fact that it wasn't getting a China release? Well, now you're taking 200, the 250 million off the top. Right. And now it doesn't look that much different from what you and eventually grossed. Yeah. Yeah. It made, according to Box Office Mojo, 380 million. Add another, what do we say, 275, 250, something like yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. And then another, and again, another 100 million of, of Premier Access, which does get factored into her, her gross. Right. So, yeah. So, 479 or 480 plus another 250 at least. Yeah. You're this, it's a perfectly acceptable, perfectly successful film, Marvel film. Yeah. So, um, as far as I'm concerned, I think this is a great PR win for Disney at a time when they needed a PR win. I think we're going to get a TV spot. We actually did get a TV spot, but I think we're going to get another TV spot for Black Widow where Scarlett Johansson herself is uh, you know, co-signing the, the, the fact that you should see this movie. I'm actually looking forward to seeing it because I think I've only seen it twice. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing it a little bit more when it drops on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I've definitely seen it twice. Um... I might have had it on one other time, like three times then. Mm-hmm. But one of the times that I saw it, I was on vacation with my brother's family and his sister-in-law's family. And so like 10 of us watched it oh, on my yeah. Disney, on my Disney <laughs> so, Plus account. So you were the anecdotal uh, person that, that caused their, their buy rates to not be exactly. what they should have been. Exactly right. And I think... I think that's all we have for our news stories. Um, light on, on, I mean, there, you know, there, there's some rumors that swirling out there, but we don't, we don't tend to talk about rumors, especially rumors that are spoilers. There's some characters that are potentially popping up in uh, future MCU movies that maybe right. if they get confirmed, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about them next week. Uh, Potential future seasons of TV that are going to be backdoor pilots for retcon versions of Netflix series. Pretend, yeah, that kind of potential. Yeah, potentially. Um, But until those things are confirmed, we, you know, we don't necessarily want to to get into the weeds of that. Right. Um, But I do want to thank you, Carlos, for joining us. Yeah. Um, You know, let the people know where they can find you. I'm at Carlos Freitas Jr. on Twitter. Uh, 
I don't know what else is even still a thing right now as of today. Is, is Instagram still in existence? <laughs> Did Facebook burn? Uh, so just look for me on Twitter. Apparently they have a two password system for their <laughs> for their network <laughs> for their servers so it is uh, not one two three four oh, right not. yeah um so yeah just uh find me there and i'll generally reply or t- retweet anything the racial draft podcast tweets out so you'll find me and um you can find me at mtfiii on twitter uh, and also on Instagram, uh, don't find me on Facebook because I don't know you. Um, but you can find the Racial Draft on Facebook at Racial Draft. You can find Racial Draft on Twitter at Racial Draft Pod. And you could find the Racial Draft on Instagram, if, assuming Instagram is still a thing, at racial.draft. Um, we are programming note. We are going to actually do some coverage for What If?, uh, the variant cast is back and uh, don't know which variants are going to join us. Probably not an Ultron, but uh, you never know. And we're going to discuss the entire season of the, of the uh, What If series um, this week. If you have some crazy theories of things that you expect to see in the season finale of What If, go ahead and hit us up there. Um, we'll talk about it in the podcast. We'll probably roast you if you're way out of line. Um, but, you know, it's all in fun. I have a prediction for season two. Uh, Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow will meet Lake Bell's Black Widow. And it'll be super <laughs> awkward. <laughs> She'll be like, are, you just, are you just talking like me? Are you just doing me? That happening? Oh, man. If that was part of the settlement, that there would be like a Black Widow-centric uh, episode of What If?, uh, bravo, bravo for Marvel. But uh, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's where we're going to leave it. Look forward to us come back and find out how the rest of the second week of the supplemental draft went, and also how the second week of the Fantasy Comics League scoring. Shout out to the Fantasy Comics League, uh, Fantasy Comics LG on Twitter. Uh, follow them too because they make all of our scoring scoring happen. And um, until next time, guys. All things are possible.